0: For, for scripture today um, I want to read from Isaiah 40 verses 29 through 31 this will be reading from the NIV so Isaiah 40 29 through 31 he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and
1: not faint. So I noticed this morning. As some of you came in, you looked at the bulletin and had great excitement at the fact that there was a bit of a change. (laughs) I'm very thrilled to be able to invite Connor up. I want to just share with you just a word uh, Wes already said in his introduction, and it, it just couldn't be more true, that the fittingness of the Gospel Project lesson this morning is at the, in the heart of the meaning of the book of Revelation, which is a call to renewal. It's a call to the churches to, to awaken and to re recommit themselves to the work of Christ. It's a call to make a clear choice between the evil one of this world and the Lamb of God, Jesus our Messiah. And so we're delighted this morning. Connor has gone through a few, some experiences over the last number of months and... Um, just felt a real leading of the spirit um, to be able to share the renewal in his life uh, with us this morning. And, and we're just uh, so thankful for the, the message that God has given Connor and will share with us today. Would you join with me in prayer? Gracious God, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in Connor's life. But even more, Lord, use that powerfully to, to minister the call and the leading of your spirit to renewal in our lives as well. Bless him, speak through him, and, and give him the words to share with us that will inspire and call us to, to a new place in our spiritual walk. And we just thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.
0: So I've been meeting with Wes a lot, weekly basis, and when I came to him, hey, sermon, I want to do sermon, I got a lot to talk about, and he was like, all right, cool, next week came, then he hands me the sheet outlining the sermons, and he said, August 15th, Jesus calls his people to recognize their sin, repent of it, and remember what he has in store for those who persevere until the end. I'm like, (laughs) boom, that's the day, like no other option, that just spoke to me. And it's just like, yeah, that's today. I'm not good at public speaking, so this is big for me. So I have a question. Raise your hand if you think you're a perfect Christian. Yeah, we got smart people today. Thank you. Here we go. Today I'm going to share with you my testimony and a little sermon that I have prepared that goes in line with the topic of the past few Sundays, so sin. I'm not one to speak comfortably in front of a bunch of people, much less on a Sunday morning from a pulpit. You may be wondering, why is the tall guy speaking today? Well, I feel called to do it. One of my biggest fears is public speaking, and in layman's terms, that would be glossophobia, Glossophobia affects four out of ten Americans, and I highly believe I'm one of those four. Only recently have I felt this call to share my testimony with you today. I feel as though God calls us to be uncomfortable in order to fulfill his calling for us. So there's this social media app called Instagram. I know a lot of you people do not have it. You're way too old. So, you guys don't know what a real is, but there was this one I saw, and it was Steve Harvey, and he said, If you stay in your comfort zone, you will fail. Success is not a comfortable procedure, so become comfortable being uncomfortable if you ever want to be successful. I love this because of the parallel I made to God's calling for me to speak about my past. I feel God is calling me to speak outwardly about my battle with sin for the past nine years and God has called me to speak publicly, which I find extremely uncomfortable. Today, I am 23 years old, and I feel the strongest in my faith than I ever have in my life. I have felt this way for less than a year, and life has drastically changed in my spiritual journey from who I hang out with, from what I do in my spare time, and what I like to do at work. I owe it all to God for bringing one person into my life that has made me this new man of faith. This one person has helped me change how I carry myself and in my spiritual actual life and then hence they carried over to other aspects. For years, I have wanted to be able to talk to my parents and confess and talk to them about my sins and struggles I have been having in relationships with females and yeah, and what my troubles were. But the fear of being judged, even by my own parents, was so strong, I just did not want to be left alone or feel shamed. It brought amounts of sadness, anxiety, depression, and fear that I do not wish on anybody. I should be able to talk to my parents about these things. I've been meeting with Wes ever since middle of January and it has really helped me find feelings of comfort, guidance, and realization. I'm not in this area alone. There are many, many people, especially young adults and teenagers, that deal with this stuff every day. As I mentioned before, this one person that God brought into my life was in fact a girl. She was strong in her faith and came from a great faith-based family. I was fearful about my past and what she would think about me. At one point, a few weeks after meeting her, she was able to motivate me and encourage me to talk to my parents and my struggles. I could have said, nah, I'm good. I don't want to do that. And she would have said sayonara and moved on and not been there to help me. Sometimes it takes a special someone or situation to help encourage you to do things that you would normally be uncomfortable doing. Now, I don't want you to think I did this just for her to like me. I have been wanting to confess and seek for a long time, but she made me realize if I want to find someone who fits my criteria of a spouse, so one that is strong in her faith, strong in her relationship with God, and wants a Christ-centered relationship, I'm going to have to do something about it. She got me hooked on reading books, and I'm not one to like reading books like most of you probably do not like to do as well. The books I've been reading are encouraging, motivational, and make me think differently and even see life from different perspectives. She also got me hooked on doing daily devotionals and daily Bible verses, and she also got me into going to uh, Bible studies. So I used the Version Bible app to do my daily devotional and, and daily verses, and in the Version Bible app, there's a daily story that goes with each verse, and I find those very helpful each day and I tried to apply that verse into my daily life each and every day I encourage everyone here today to have a friend or someone like I found that you're able to sit and talk about your faith journeys talk about what devotionals you are doing daily talk about some struggles in your life whether they're faith based or relationships or work just someone that you can openly talk to and be vulnerable with I encourage this especially for the younger population society and social media is bigger than ever and is Constructing how we think, is taking away God's calling for you. This is something I believe. Just having someone to talk to once or twice a week about how God is working your life is better than the amount spent alone and in your mind. Now, alone time with him is really good in prayer, but I think having someone to outwardly speak with and have another person's opinion is really good, and it's really helped me a lot. God has a plan for your life that we do not understand in the slightest, And God brought this girl into my life when I needed her or needed somebody to motivate me to make change in my life. So here's a water well analogy. My spirit is a water well. Person A, and I'm empty. So person A comes to me with empty buckets asking for water. And I say, I don't have anything to give you. So they go away. This person is the person that has been in my broken relationships and friend group. For... Their influences were not godly; they were not uh, ones of faith. Because I had no choice when it came to sports in high school of who I could hang out with, because I wanted to do the sports because I really liked it. So person B comes with some water, and what they do is they pour into you and they lift up your spiritual well. And with that, with that little amount of water, you can do so much with it. And when we are filled with person B's little water, it encourages us to seek opportunities to grow our faith even more. And then once we do that, God is pouring more and more water into our well till we are overflowing and we're able to spread his gospel and his word to others. Matthew seven thirteen to 20. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow are the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves, but their fruit you will recognize. Them. by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, but a, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit you will recognize them. With this passage, breaking it down in my own understanding, the best sound, the best sounding opportunity is not always the right one. God has a plan for your life, and that is the life that he has planned for us. He is writing it every day. That's a lot of people to write their lives for. So this verse came from one of the Bible studies for Redford, who's in the middle. He's my Thursday night Bible study leader. And at one of the Thursday night Bible studies, this verse was talked about, and it just really opened my eyes to life outside of these uh, Bible study groups. This life he has written for you who has, has gates and false prophets. These gates and false prophets may be appealing to the eye until you uncover their true intentions. Ones that bring hurt, temptation, sin, and ultimately death. However, there is a way we can unveil these gates and false prophets before we sin. Temptations that are dark, confusing, and cause anxiety are not constructs of God. They are from the false prophets in the wide gates of the world. God's teachings and callings are clear and concise and create a sense of peace that no number of earthly things can satisfy. These false prophets are the bad fruit from the bad tree. So I enjoy Granny Smith apples because they're sour and they're tart and they're really delicious. And, but in this passage, the bad fruit is the sour and tart ones. Whereas something like strawberries, which I also like, are sweet and delicious and those would be the good spirits they might not look good so there's good um fruits that might not look good on the outside but inside they're sweet and delicious and likewise for the bad fruits they could be really good on the outside but inside is where they're bad so i've been listening to a lot of worship music every day at work and at home and even when i go to bed sometimes and burn the ships by for king and country is one song that i really like and here are some of the lyrics We got to burn the ships, cut the ties, send a flame into the night, say a prayer, turn the tide, dry your tears, and wave goodbye. Step into a new day. We can rise up from the dust and walk away. We can dance upon our heartache. I love this song a lot, and I hope that you all have heard of it, or you'll write it down and listen to it later. The connection I make with this song is that people in our lives that do not fulfill our spiritual well are like the ships. You do not have to burn all the ships, though. God's calling it could be for you to spread the gospel to other non-believers and other people that just need some faith help. We burn those ships and cut the ties with the ones that we do not feel like we need in our lives. And we say a prayer for them, if anything else. We ask God to help them and fill them with his grace and mercy, even if we do not think they deserve it. These ships do not have to be people. They can be sins that we need forgiveness for. We pray and ask God to cover up these sins and we lay them down at the foot of the cross and ask for his mercy and forgiveness. He will give us that every time. He dries our tears and, wait and with his mercy and forgiveness. And we wake up made new, we wake up reborn in His sense. Every day I thank God for being able to wake up to a new day. I ask God that speaks through me his word every day and that I may use his words to spread his love and peace to people who need it most. John 16.33 is also a verse that has stuck with me a lot. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcame the world. God expresses to us that he gave us this ultimate peace in life. The world may give us trouble, but we can overcome these troubles because we have peace when we accept God as our Savior. This peace and love has me dancing in the dragon's jaw. This, the world and its troubles are the dragon, and at any moment he can devour me, and I am done. But until that day arrives, I am dancing, and no one is going to take that away from me." I like this word picture from Bruce Cobran's album. Thank you to Wes for mentioning this and one of the meetings that I've had with him. Redford is one of the leaders, like I said, at the Bible study group I attend. And a little over a month ago, I was giving a little bit of about my testimony, and he asked me a question. Connor. Do you feel free? Without missing a beat, I said, yes, I feel free. Do I still have battles every day? Yes, yes, I do. I can win those battles, though, because I know that I have God's everlasting forgiveness and grace. Mistakes will happen. Some days will be better than others, but I know that with what I'm currently doing, I am moving in the right direction, and I'm on my path. And I'm on, I am on the path that so few people will take, not knowing what's going to be on the other side. Now, I'm going to give you my sermon, and what this sermon is constructed of is five points. These five points are from what I have been experiencing over the past eight to nine months, and I could talk a lot about each uh, point, but that would take way too long, and I know you guys don't like going over in Bible study. <laughs> point number one, sin is attractive. It's seductive. It is common, it is appealing, it is a serotonin high feeling most of the time. It is the majority, it is the broad gate like in Matthew 7. Sin is addicting, it is also evil, it is destructive. We were born to sin, there wasn't stopping it from happening ever since Adam and Eve first sinned. Sin wouldn't be so common if the wages of sin were ultimate, intimate, immediately bad, where we didn't have to wait for the uh, struggles of our sin. First John chapter 2 verse 16 states it states sin well sin doesn't come from God it comes from earthly desires sin is an easy road to take because of how immediate the satisfaction comes from it in my case sin causes serotonin high that can't be reached again the addiction is sinning again and again and again and again trying hard to find that first high you ever experience. We cannot avoid sin altogether. That's impossible. It's not going to happen. Adam and Eve started sin, and for the rest of the time, sin will always be there. Don't let this discourage you. You can always practice noticing temptations, noticing triggers, see things that may bring on sin before it develops into a sin. I've learned to name it, call it out, and these are from the words of Wes. Noticing the temptation is better than waiting for it to become a sin. Then you finally notice it. If you point it out and call it out, or as West would say, give it a name, then you're more able to know that maybe I should shouldn't be doing this, or this situation may not be the best place for me to be in. and I'm not perfect at this, and you won't be either. But there's a beauty in all of this that will lead into another point about God's everlasting grace and forgiveness in a little bit. I will not. I will not and you will not always be able to see the different gates because sometimes the broad gate and the narrow gate look the exact same. You can pray about it, talk to others about it, it, confide in an elder or person you trust to talk about your situation so that you're able to see the differences in the gates in your life. Paul does a very good job in Romans chapter 6 to express sin and righteousness. Verses 1 to 14 are headlined as Dead to Sin, Alive in Christ. And Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13 is, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to to God as those who have been bought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Sin is going to be present in your life, but you have to choose to let it rule over you or give it, you have a choice to let it rule over you or to give yourself over to the grace of God so that you may live eternal life after death. Point number two will be righteousness is beautiful. And verses 15 to 23 in Romans 6 are headlined as slaves to righteousness. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in their in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's verse 23. When you offer yourselves to God, you will then, you then become a slave to righteousness, which leads to eternal life. God's grace is awesome because not only could you be a slave to sin, but when you are a slave to sin, he still accepts you and wants you to become obedient to Christ and he will still use you when you're a slave to sin. You can change your heart. You can change your desires of your heart. You can renew your mind and make all these things obedient to the one that died on that cross. So that We may have the choice to choose sin or righteousness. Trust in the Lord and know that he has all the power in his hands, that he has a life set for you that is pleasing to you beyond all measures. There is no difference between I and you and who can receive this righteousness. God makes this righteousness available to anyone who asks for it and commits themselves to be slaves to Christ Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter three, verse twenty-three. The righteousness of God is, therefore, it is ready to be poured over us like fresh water, cleansing us from our sins. When it, we accept God as our Savior and we fully live our lives as slaves to Him, that does not keep us from sinning. Sin will happen and will always occur. But the beauty of it all is that we are forgiven. We are forgiven because we are slaves to Christ and are actively repenting and confessing our sins and mistakes and laying them down at the feet of Jesus, asking for him to cover them up so that we may not be troubled by them any longer. The old law required us to be perfect, obedient followers of God, but when Adam and Eve sinned, that all went out the door. It is impossible to be perfect. Why? No one is perfect. God is the only perfect one. Jesus was even tempted by Satan and that he has felt all the highest and lows that we all face in our lives each and every day. The new law, the law of faith, is that we gain the grace and righteousness because we accept him and his offerings to be obedient followers that trust in him every day. My point number three is titled, God's grace is greater. I said that sin is attractive. There are some things that are more attractive, though. God's salvation God's forgiveness, God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace are all way more attractive than sin will ever be. But all these things are uncommon. They're ridiculed. They're rare. They're uncomfortable. They're slow timing. Everything that sin is not. Why? Because it takes time. Sin is an immediate effect thing. You get an immediate high from sinning. God's grace takes a while to see the results. Sure, there are instances where God's work is realized immediately. But in my experiences, it takes a lot of patience, trust, and time before I can see physical and visual changes. It takes a lot of prayers that you have to commit to yourself each and every day. Technology is bad in ways that it provides immediate gratification or instant solutions to problems. So our minds are getting trained that we should expect the answers right when, our, when we ask our questions. That isn't how it works for in God's house. He takes his sweet time because he knows his answers are far greater than any answer we could ever think of. Any Google search could bring up as well. How do we earn this though? Repent. Confess your sins. Be obedient to Christ and do your best to follow the law of faith. You're going to fail though. You know and I know that you are going to fail. The big man knows you're going to fail two weeks from now so don't think that he doesn't know your troubles that are happening today. Matthew six thirty three, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God's grace is greater than our sin. Where sin is strong, grace is stronger. Sin brings death, but grace through righteousness brings eternal life. God's grace is a lion chasing us down like a gazelle. It will not stop in chasing until it gets the gazelle. In the same way, God's grace is chasing us down through sin. When we are obedient to Christ by our end sin, God is chasing us down because he wants to give his grace and forgiveness to us because we deserve it and are obedient to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. When we are called according to his purpose, we are all loved because we believe that we are called to a purpose in this life, to produce new followers, new believers, new brothers and sisters in Christ. When you say you love God, Understand that He loves you. This life may trouble you, but all you need to know is that at the end of the day, end of the day, God is on your side, fighting for you and loving you to the very end. So my parents and I went on a vacation to Upperland, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, in July, and there were a lot of kids that we saw there. And what I noticed was a handful of Meltdowns by these kids. And one of the things that told me that. I'm so sorry for all the public meltdowns I gave you because it did not look pretty. And they got me thinking, though, this life will give you troubles. Life is not fair. You won't always get the things you ask for. But when we believe in our obedience to God that is fair and loving, we will be rewarded with more than what we ever thought we should be given. We won't get what we desire. We get what God desires for us, and that's just more than our desires could ever think of. God may be absent in the way we most desire, but present in the way we most require. In Romans chapter 8, 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So many verses in, the, in his word that just emphasize God's grace, love, and forgiveness for those who believe. God would always be on our side. Don't be troubled because you're in hard times in friendships or relationships. Just know the one person that should matter most in your life will love you and be gracious to you through all the sin and mistakes in your life. My fourth point is Jesus cleanses us. Are we going to cling to our mistakes and sins, or are we going to let ourselves be cleansed by the one who created us? Here are some sticky notes. So I'm going to do a little illustration. These sticky notes are the sins you've committed. They're guilt, sin, temptation, shame, despair, uh, neglect. What else do I think of? They're just all the things that sin is bad of. You stick? Yeah. And what God does is he wraps us up. He wraps us, wraps us up and says, I love you. I know you have sinned, I will be forgiven you. But we say, like uh, Simon and Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, and he does not matter. He will take those sins, and we place them at the foot of the cross, asking for forgiveness each and every day. No matter what. First John, chapter 1, verse 7. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Anyway, (laughs) first John, chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all of sin. And verse 9 reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I think I have been repeating myself a lot, but for good reason. If we commit ourselves to be obedient followers of Jesus Christ and accept what he did on that cross for us, and we acknowledge that we are flawed and we are sinners, he will forgive us every time that we confess and lay down our burdens and troubles at his feet like I have done. So, y'all shouldn't remember Jason Raymer. He was our youth pastor. And there's just one sermon out of all the sermons I've ever heard. And that includes Wes, Harold, Wes, Doug. And it was Jason's sermon called, You Cannot Take Your Baggage With You. I think about this a lot. This sermon has stuck with me. And just think of these sticky notes as the baggage for my illustration. You cannot take those troubles with you into heaven. You must lay those troubles, lay that baggage at the gates, Confess that this baggage does not define you. I am a child of God and I know I am forgiven and believe that he forgave my baggage when he died on that cross. I do not need to carry this baggage anymore. I want, I want it to be covered and forgiven and want to have new baggage, baggage of righteousness that, has, that was given to us by God. And my fifth and final point is one I really like a lot. Your mistakes don't have to be final. If there is one thing I want you to take away from today, it is your mistakes do not have to be final. Your mistakes don't have to define who you are. Your mistakes are the sticky notes that you want to be forgiven for. It is the baggage that you cannot take with you. They are what Satan throws at you to make you question your beliefs, make you question what is right and wrong. They create confusion and cloud your mind in judgment. God speaks in clear and concise ways. The word the words God speaks do not cause you to think twice. God's grace is a free gift, but we have to accept it in order to receive it. Laminations 3 chapter 31-33 For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings gift, grief, he will show compassion. So so great is, is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. No one is cast off who accepts His grace and forgiveness as it should be received. When we get baptized, we are confessing our faith and accepting God's grace. Now that does not mean we get to do whatever we want whenever we want. We still have to follow the law of faith. Whatever we do will always be forgiven if we ask for it. We are laying down our life and trusting in him with the plans he has made for us. We become obedient followers of God's calling for our lives. I have a good idea that God's calling isn't for you to do whatever you want, when you want. You are recognizing that you have live in a broken world and that the world cannot be fixed. It's a sinful world, but we can try hard to fulfill his calling for us. God's forgiveness for your mistakes is there for, is there for everyone, but not everyone will accept it. God doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Being an obedient follower is laying your life down, handing over control to him and say, Lord, do with my life as you see fit, for your plans are far greater than my desires. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Forget yesterday's mistakes because they had already forgotten about you. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself focus on today today is the only thing you have control of you cannot change what happened in the past and you cannot predict the future Luke chapter 5 verse 8 simon peter go away from me lord for i am a sinful man is what he said we are all simon peter and we are all sinful children of god but then you but then god used peter to fish for the people he used Peter in his sinfulness to work for others. What makes you think God won't use you because you're a sinner? Look at Paul. He persecuted Christians and then went on to write 13 books of the Bible. So to wrap up, I chose Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 because it's a verse that stuck out to me. Stuck out to me. When my mom and dad had troubles with their firstborn, This is one verse that my mom immediately went to my Bible, wrote down the dates, wrote down Cody Douglas, and underlined. And when I was thinking about a verse to do the scripture reading, that was the first one that popped into my mind. So, he gives strength to the weary. Let's think I'm the weary one. He gives strength to me, knowing that I am able to overcome these sins that I need, that I'm forgiven, and that he has a plan for my life that is far greater than any desire's. And he increases the power of the weak. Again, when we sin, we feel weak, we feel ashamed, we feel like we're not worthy of his grace or forgiveness. Even youths grow tired and weary. So young people and old people, not just anyone in the middle, can grow tired and weary and feel this way. And young men who we think are strong and mighty and can overcome or overcome any fear and problem that comes into life will fall and stumble But those who hope in the Lord, so I hope all of you hope in the Lord, will renew their strength and be strong in the Lord. They will soar on wings like eagles high above this sinful world. And they will run and not grow weary. They will run and run and run and never, never get tired. For they are chasing what God has for us. And they will walk and not be faint. Who thinks that God runs? I've been thinking he walks. He takes his time. That's why he never grows tired. He walks and doesn't use his energy to run. So sometimes in life, I think we all want to run. We want to get to the destination so fast and get to what God has for us. But sometimes we have
1: to wait and be patient and just walk with the Lord. Amen.